0: Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope it's payday for you. And thank goodness it's Friday. We got college football this weekend. Big win for Starkville High School last night. A little bit of a controversial win, too. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to see the game. I was traveling back from Jackson. But uh, Starkville High School wins yesterday. Now in the playoffs, will host Hernando in the first round next weekend. Uh, but they beat Grenada 16-10. Grenada scored what was believed to be a game-winning touchdown in many respects. I guess there was two minutes left in the game. I guess Starville could have come back and won. But the go-ahead touchdown for sure. It was called back on a penalty. And then Grenada fumbled the next play. Starville recovers, runs out of the clock, and uh, there's your ball game. So good year for the Yellow Jackets. Only losses to Oxford High School. Hopefully we'll see those guys in the uh, north half at some point. Love to get another shot at them. But congratulations to the Jackets as a proud Starville High School parent. Very happy for our student athletes at Stargill High School. It's been a great experience, man. I've had uh, three kids now at Stargill High School, two of them graduated uh, with honors and had a great educational experience at Stargill High School and they've been fortunate enough to see some state championships. That's a pretty cool thing. You know, I remember mean, when I was a kid, when Columbia High School won in 1982, which seems like forever and a day ago, there was some electricity in the entire school system. Wore my paw prints proudly. Columbia High School Wildcats for life. So I'm glad that my girls had a chance to, uh, just to see their classmates do something pretty incredible. And uh, hopeful that happens again this year. Really proud of the efforts of Starbill High School football and the entire athletic department over there. They do a good job at Starbill High School. A couple other things, too, that uh, I want to thank everybody that came out to Mistletoe Marketplace the last two days. I won't be there today, but I did leave behind a few signed copies of Flim Flem Flem, *Stark Villains*, and Alpha Dogs, as well as some Blooms of Oleander. Sold several books. Both days I was there. Great experience. I, listen, I'm a firm believer when we have big events in Mississippi, we need to turn out and support those events. We really do. It's very, very important. That's something I could probably spend the whole show, whole show talking about. It's how important it is to support these events. And like Bulldog Bash is this weekend. Hardy will be here. That's a pretty cool thing, too. Unfortunately, it is an away game weekend. I don't blame anybody for that. But I, it's greater when it is in a home game weekend so everybody can come because not a lot of our students are going to go to Arkansas. There will be some. But uh, Bulldog Bash in Hardy tonight wish I could be there. I'll be in Arkansas. Matter of fact, uh, once we finish up today's show, get that published on jeanspage.com and out to Apple Music and all the good other locations you find quality podcasting, I will be uh, packing a bag and heading to Arkansas. Watch the Bulldogs uh, hopefully win a ball game. Be a big big win for Mississippi State. We're going to talk a little more about that later in the show. Pretty cool top 10 list today. Pretty excited about that. We've got one of the greatest rappers alive on today's top 10 list it's interesting to me there are a lot of people out there to talk about oh you know this person's killing the game or whatever and they're really not they're just kind of like an average performer not our artist today this is a gentleman that uh, has absolutely won in every aspect of life we'll get to that much later in the show i want to thank our good friends at bulldog burger company longtime sponsors of this show very grateful to partner with a quality business like bulldog burger company You know, there are a lot of people that are good at some things. Bulldog Burger Company, pretty much good at everything. Everything on the menu is a winner. Of course, they specialize in hamburgers, and sometimes one of the great delicacies of life is a great restaurant-quality hamburger. You'll find none finer than Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you right here, University Drive in Star Vegas. That is a great game-day location. If you can't make it to Arkansas and say, you know what, I'd like to watch the game and kind of recreate with some Bulldog fans, give Bulldog Burger Company a try. You can have an adult beverage while you're there. Also, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and then Lake Harbor Drive, the new one in the Flowood-Ridgeland area. Very, very excited about that location. A lot of good people there that have uh, done a good job bringing the Bulldog brand to the central Mississippi area. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. they make you and everybody around you better looking. Get that chocolate shake to go. You'll be glad you did. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. M-E-A-T. All right, a couple of things I want to talk about before we start previewing the weekend. The first thing is about these rumors about Mike Leach and Texas Tech. I know many of you have, have wondered what I've had to say about that. I have collected some information, I've had some conversations and talked to some people that have more knowledge than you and I. I talked to people that write bigger checks than you and I cash, and I figure that information is usually very good. So so here's the deal about that. You know, there was some reports, and, and I hate to even call them reports, because they're not reports, they're rumors. And they're not really based in a lot of facts. There was a reporter, I don't know, I guess somewhere out of Texas, that said that Mike Leach was going to sit down with Texas Tech search committee. I'm told that's incorrect. I'm told that is absolutely incorrect. There are a few things that I want to share about that. Number one, Mike Leach would have to have permission from Mississippi State to be interviewed for another position. Now, some would say that's a formality. It's not. It's not. Most coaching contracts have a clause that require that. You have to have permission. Just like when Vic Schaefer interviewed with Chris Del Conte in Texas, Chris Del Conte called John Cohen, got permission to interview him, and they did. Now, of course, there are also discussions that happen between third parties and uh, representatives and things like that. But So here's the deal with, uh, with Leach and, uh, and, and the permission type thing. We, we at Mississippi State would never in a million years grant permission for a sitting coach to be interviewed for the same position elsewhere during a season. We're trying to get to a bowl game. We're trying to get a winning season. We're trying to get the egg back. Why in the world would we agree to grant permission for our head coach to have that kind of distraction when there's so much on the line at Mississippi State? We wouldn't. We haven't. Oh, and I I saw the tweet. Oh, it's no joke. No, it's a joke. No, oh, oh, it's a joke, all right. Now, that's not to say at some point that Mike Leach and maybe perhaps his agent wouldn't speak with Texas Tech. I think that's still very iffy. You recall when Texas Tech hired Matt Wells, you know, uh, Mike was at Washington State, and there were all these rumors. Of course, these well-sourced rumors. It's always funny how that works that he was a candidate to retake his job at Texas Tech. And Mike Leach went out publicly and said, hey, you guys pay me what you owe me, and then we'll talk. Didn't say that he was interested in the job. And the money that he is owed, of course, uh, stems back to the Adam James alleged incident that is discussed in detail in Swing Your Sword. You guys may be be familiar with that. It's interesting, Craig James not working today Uh, free espn anymore but mike leach still uh, raking in five million bucks a year here at mississippi state but he talks about that and so basically leach was owed a retention bonus from texas tech and they were basically looking for a way to get out of it and uh, there are some court documents that kind of detail kind of some disgusting things that texas tech did they're very deceitful in what they did and basically trumped up these charges and went along with these false allegations to justify terminating mike leach one day before he was due to collect that retention bonus and so he's owed that money he filed a lawsuit to get it and eventually i believe it was the texas supreme court that ruled that texas tech had sovereign immunity which basically gives them carte blanche do whatever they want and so Mike Leach was never paid those monies. And, and, yeah, he's owed those monies. And you could say, well, technically they didn't retain him. Well, they didn't, but they terminated him under auspicious circumstances. It was all pretty much trumped up. And Adam James himself, in a sworn deposition as part of that lawsuit, admitted that he took the video and he voluntarily went into that, quote, electric shed Uh, to try to drum up some support for for his case and so the reality of it is is that mike leach was unfairly maligned in this situation with texas tech he is owed that that money and uh that would be a big issue to say the least and you know you goodness you never know i mean it's like you never say never but i can tell you right now that some of the things that are being reported about mike leach in connection with the texas tech job absolutely untrue now one of the things that I've seen some of you folks mention, and I've gotten to the bottom of this too, and uh, probably shouldn't need to even call anybody because the news is out there for anybody that wants to uh, to review it. I say, well, maybe he's trying to get outside of this uh, mandate from the state IHL board. Well, here's the deal: it's not a state mandate; it's a federal mandate. And so, if you are employed at a Mississippi Institute of Higher Learning, You can't just go leave the state and go work for another Institute of Higher Learning unless they're a private school. If they receive federal funds, then they are under the direction of this executive order about all federal employees and those that receive federal aid are required to get the vaccine. I'm not going to sit here and opine about the the knowledge uh, and wisdom of that decision. But I'm going to tell you, so you're not going to leave Mississippi and then go to Texas and avoid getting the vaccine. That's just not how it works. Not if you're going to be at a public institution. Now, I guess there could be a situation where maybe somebody leaves a public school and then goes to a private school, but there's not, that's not the reality of the situation. And so there are a lot of things that have been reported, uh, some by people in the media and some by some of our own fans, kind of offering their own opinion, well, maybe this is it. N- no, at this point, there is nothing going on. At least not officially and that, again one of the things i want to share with you guys too and i think it's important that we understand kind of how life works so you know i, I have an agent i know you guys uh many of you have representation as well but i don't have anybody at that level right i mean and many of you either right many of you kind of represent yourself that's kind of how life works but when you're dealing with these uh, multi-million dollar contracts it's best to have legal representation And so what these agents do, and it's not just Mike Leach's agent or Dan Mullen's agent or anybody else's agent, is they're trying to get the best deal for their client. They're trying to get the most lucrative contract possible. So what the best way to do that, as we've learned, especially with Dan Mullen being our head coach here for all those years, is to suggest that there is interest from other schools that could possibly be a threat to your school and the agreements that you have. And so you leak these things out there to the media. There's always some willing members of the media that, um, you know, whether they believe it or not, if they're, they get some what they believe to be credible information, they will report that and say, hey, you know, Dan Mullen is a candidate for the, you know, the Miami job. And he was. And they say, well, he's a candidate for this job and that job. And he's a you know, candidate for the offensive coordinator position at Jones County Junior College and whatever, you know. So and leave it to the guys at Football Scoop, of course, to run with everything they hear. And so they put those things out there, true or untrue, and then next thing you know, you've created a bit of a buzz. And then there's uncertainty within the fan base, and anxiety begins to build. And think about what all we went through with Dan when, when Dan was here. Remember he was mentioned in connection with the Rutgers shop? I mean, like a guy would leave Mississippi State and the SEC in a $4.25 million contract to go to Rutgers. I mean, give me a break. That would never happen. But that's not what gets put out there. You know, you know, they put these things out there, and, and then, like, there's enough rumors, and then you know, I have to go run those things down, and other members of the media do. And it's like, next thing you know, it, it gets repeated and repeated. Oh, we we'll report Dan Mullen mentioned in connection with the West Virginia job. Well, now this thing has begun to build some steam. Because everybody, in like I said, the Mississippi State media is like, well, hey, we can't ignore this. I mean, what if there is a coaching change? we got to get out in front of this. So this well-placed rumor now has begun to snowball. And then you guys are like, are we really going to lose our coach? What's happening? Well, then you go to message boards, and you go to Twitter, and you go to Facebook, and next thing you know, it's just like the whole game of gossip, right? One person starts it, and it spreads like wildfire. And then all of a sudden, it feels like we've got a raging inferno on our hands. Like, why won't they do anything? And a lot of times, there's nothing to it. But that's the reality of how life works. But you build some buzz by planting the seeds of uncertainty, and then all of a sudden, then this agent can go back to, you know, say, you know, a, a sitting athletic director and say, hey, look, hey, look, your fans, they're scared, man. They want this guy. So we need to redo this deal. We need to tear up this old contract. You need to pay him what he's worth because he could always leave, you know, and go to Roanoke State or something. That's how it all works. That's how the game is played. And so these agents create some misinformation to build the anxiety and to give the perception that their client is in demand. I don't believe Mike Leach is ever going to leave Mississippi State. I think he's here until he retires. I really we do. I, I really believe that's the case. Now, is Mike due a, rene- a renegotiation? Yeah, probably so. We're two years into the deal, so there's going to be a new extension. You know, basically how it works anyway is you roll the guy over at the end of the year, unless it's a really bad year. You know, I I don't believe that happened last year. I don't think it's necessarily indicative of what happened on the field. I just think it was a COVID year, so maybe you just say, hey, look, we'll talk about it next year. So what I suspect, and again, this is just, I don't even know if I'd call it a somewhat educated opinion. I would just say an educated uh, guess or speculation here is that many of these rumors are probably coming from the people that are trying to, uh, to represent Mike Leach to ensure that he gets the best deal possible for he, his family, and his staff. That's not to say Mike Leach is behind it, and I'm not trying to suggest that. But I also know how the game is played. I mean, think about this. I mean, you know, I mean, you know Hugh Freeze is coming uh, back to Oxford this weekend. We'll talk about that later in the show. Had some phone calls about that yesterday from some international media. But, you know, how many times did you hear that Hugh Freeze's name mentioned in connection with jobs he never got? Now, a lot of that, too, again, that's, that's Jimmy Sexton and his group working for their client. You work to get your client's name mentioned in connection with Jobs because all of a sudden, like, oh, well, he's, he's possibly going to go work for Alabama as an offensive coordinator, even, true or untrue. You get that in the paper, and the next thing you know, there's some other people who are like, oh, man, I, I would like to have him as our head coach. And so you create this shell game with the media to create public perception that keeps your client's name relevant that's how it works I mean there are a lot of guys that get mentioned in connection with jobs they have no chance of getting and that's not coming from the school it's coming from the agents to ensure that that information is out there again you're trying to build up demand you're trying to create urgency within a negotiation that's what it's about but the reality of it is is that um, you know this talk about Mike Leach going to sit down with Texas Tech's uh, search committee that, that's just you know that that hadn't happened that just hadn't happened and and again that's not to say that perhaps there's not some interest on texas tech side i mean you go back and look at what texas tech has done since mike leach has left and and maybe let's do that and so there's a lot of people out there well that that creates you know some interest in the job you say hey well texas tech people are like well hey yeah I, i would like that i mean i'd like to have mike leach back we had some you know, we had some, uh, some great years with Mike Leach, and it hadn't been the same since he left. That's true, too. But if you're Mike Leach, do you go back there after how they treated you? Yeah, I would say probably not. So Mike Leach basically had the best run as a head coach in Texas Tech history. Now, JT King had some pretty good seasons, but they were fairly mediocre, I guess. But, I mean, they had some winning seasons there. Uh, DeWitt Weaver had some good years there, finished 12th in the polls one year. So they've had some success, but it hasn't really been sustained success until Mike Leach got there. Jim Carlin had some good years as well. And, of course, you know, Steve Sloan left Texas Tech to go to Ole Miss where he was, uh, he was bad there too. He had three winning – Sloan had three winning seasons at Texas Tech, had one 10-win 10, 10 year uh, back in 76, and they finished 13th in the country and they lost a Blue Bonnet Bowl. Then then he goes to Ole Miss, but they they kind of just kind of piddle along for a while, and then Spike Deeks has some good years, and Mike Leach comes along. And Mike Leach hit the ground running and uh, went to a bowl game every year that he was in Lubbock, every single year. Seven and six, seven and five, nine and five, eight and five, eight and four, nine and three, eight and five, nine and four, 11 and two, and then nine and four. And of course they terminate him and promote Ruffin McNeil to be the interim coach uh, there in two thousand nine. Well, since that time, and again, listen, no losing seasons at Texas Tech. Took a couple of years to get going, you know, to kind of get out of the uh, six and six, seven and five type deal, and begin to kind of build. And ha- had some really good years there. And uh, three, or excuse me, four of the last five years, I guess technically five of six when you consider the 0-9 season. Five of his last six years, they finished in the top 25. The long year they didn't was '06, and they still went eight and five that year. So some really good years at Texas Tech. And then, of course, they bring in Tommy Tuberville. You know, that was he had a couple decent years, a couple eight and five years, but um, didn't work out. Of course, uh, that's now, I guess, what, Senator Tommy Tuberville? I don't know what office he runs for. I'm not a big political guy in that respect. They bring Cliff Kingsbury back and try to recapture the air, ma- air raid magic. Cliff had one good year year one he went eight and five then it's four and eight seven and six five and seven six and seven five and seven and then they have to terminate one of their own and of course he gets a job there at the Arizona Cardinals but uh, then they bring in Matt Wells and Matt Wells has had three really poor seasons four and eight four and six uh, five and three this year but of course uh, he's already been terminated and Sonny Cumbie promoted to be interim coach there so it's just been a long time since they've had the Red Raider magic out there in Lubbock so if you're on the Texas Tech side of this thing you're trying to say, hey, we're serious about winning this thing. We're serious about you know, putting a good product on the field. Well, it doesn't hurt them to hear that Mike Leach is associated with the job. provides them a little bit of cover. That's one of the things that we've learned about these coaching searches is that the first name is generally not the name. A lot of that stuff usually is generated on behalf of, uh, of agents, you know, again, to kind of get their coach's name mentioned in connection with the conversation of these jobs. It's happened to us before. Right, The day Sylvester Croom is terminated, ESPN reports that Derek Dooley, named the leading candidate for the job, wasn't even a candidate at all. Wanted to be a candidate, but was not the candidate. So a lot of this is just smoke. And again, that's not to say, hey, we get the season's in, and Texas Tech doesn't come in and say, hey, Mike, we'll pay you what we owe you and then we'll pay you what Mississippi State's paying or whatever. Let's come home, figure this thing out. I don't know that Mike Leach wants to make that move or not. But I can assure you, based on you know the the quote rumors that are out there right now, there's not there's not any substance uh to those rumors. And again, we'll continue to monitor it. But understand that there's no way that Mark Keenum and John Cohen are gonna grant permission for Texas Tech to interview Mississippi State's coach during the season. It's November the fifth. We still got four games left to play. Right? Is that right? Four? Yeah? Yeah. Arkansas, Auburn. Uh, Tennessee State, Ole Miss. We've got four games left to go in a regular season. We're battling to get back to the winning side of things and to win another ball game. We're not going to do that. Use your brains. We're not going to do it. We're going to do what's best for Mississippi State. And again, I think Mike Leach is happy here. I really do. Mike Leach has got a lot of support within the administration, and now we have improved substantially, trending in the right direction. We feel like Will Rogers is uh, kind of growing up right before our eyes, and so you know, why would you, oh, well, okay, I've been here two years. Let me uproot and move on again. Let's go back to, uh, to a place that they haven't had a winning season in forever and a day now. You go back and look at this. They have not had a winning season since 15. Not had a winning season since unless they finished this year. But you kind of understand my point. Why would you, now that you've kind of got things going in the right direction, why would you pack up and go again? And you can say, well, you know, Everybody's got a price. Well, I guess that's true in many respects. Michael Leach wouldn't have left Washington State to come here. You know, but how much money does a man need to live on? Those are the things I think about, too. It's like, you know, how much is enough? Guy's got a big place out in Key West. Got a good life going for himself. And so, again, I, just, I think that a lot of you are kind of wringing your hands about things that, uh, you know, at this point are not. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y Let me tell you a little bit about this new video of Smart Lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience, no more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. Got that immigrated camera too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries. Right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovus want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And, you know, you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Takovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Takovas has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand-new pair of boots? You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles. the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com, they offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges Ship right to your door. Go to Tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Worth worrying about. All right, I touched on this a little bit earlier in the week, but I wanted to give you guys kind of, a, I guess, a final update on this uh, interlocking MSU logo. A lot of you people love that logo. I love the Jackie Sherrill, the late Jackie Sherrill era interlocking msu so that was a topic on the jeans page message boards you know, earlier in the week and so what i've learned and i shared a little bit of this on wednesday show is that uh, mississippi state still owns the rights to those logos there was some rumors out there that nike owned that logo and so again i'm giving you the information that i've gathered from talking to multiple people so here's the deal about that so because that was created for mississippi state let's say for an example If I go out and I pay Waters, who is the greatest? Perhaps the greatest watercolor artist this state has ever seen. Let's say I go pay him to design a logo for me or to make a painting for me, and I compensate him for that, for his work. Well, now I own it. It's mine. It's no longer his. It's got his name on it. it. At one point, it was his property, but once I have paid him for that, It is now mine to do with whatever I want to. If I want to go sell it, if I want to make a a billboard out of it, if I want to make calendars out of it, put it on a T-shirt, I can do that. Because it's mine. He has been properly compensated to do the job that I've asked him to do. So in tune is this Nike, quote, Nike MSU logo. Okay, so in the event that Nike designed that for us, we retain those rights. It's our property. They can't, they can't claim ownership of that when they've been duly compensated for it. Also, by the same token, like Nike can't just take the Mississippi State logo without Mississippi State's permission and then begin to market that. You know, you, think about this. Remember when we, uh, we all used to play college football, right? And like for a long time, Mississippi State wasn't on the game. Like they didn't have our logo or our stadium or anything. We were like behind the curve, that's because Mississippi State had some trademark issues. You know, We, we were with a different branding company, and so it, it didn't work out. Right? They had to negotiate a separate deal with us. It all got taken care of eventually. But you can't just, okay, let's say for an example, I'm going to go take an entity or an individual. I'm going to go market their li- their image, name, and likeness without their permission. You can't do that. And so Nike may have developed that logo during their time as Mississippi State's athletic apparel provider but they would not retain rights to that they don't own the MSU name the Mississippi State logo Mississippi State owns those and I don't know why that it was shared with us for years and years and years and years and years that well Nike owned it so we can't use it and what I understand is that Mississippi State plans to bring that logo back that's not to say it's going to be on the helmets it may be it may be but it's something that Mississippi State retains the rights to. Now, you've seen this college vault collection, right, the the Flying M, and, and it's been great. I don't know who thought of that. Hey, let's bring these old logos back. I, I, I got them all. I'm sure many of you do as well. You know, the Flying M, the Walking Bully, all that stuff. Hey, you know, that's, that's classic Mississippi State stuff. Well, just because Mississippi State isn't actively using those logos on the field doesn't mean that Mississippi State doesn't still retain the rights of those things. And so they brought those things back, and then there's new logos every year, you know. And um, you know, there's a couple this year that um, you know a little bit different. But I think it's great to kind of have that retro look and kind of bring that back. I mean, it's like the you know, the bulldog bully. It's great. Reminds me of being a kid. You know, I, I like the interlocking MSU logo. I'm not, I'm not so big on the MSJ that many of you guys love so much. But the reality of it is is that there was some, um, some reports that um, Mississippi State no longer held the rights to those things. And so I guess technically, let's say, like, say for an example, if State had let the trademark expire, well, it would be difficult. Let's say you and I decided, hey, well, Mississippi State has abandoned these rights, to this logo, so let's go buy it. Let's go buy it. Well, we could file an application, but we have to put it out for commerce. And so if you know anything about Mississippi State's licensing, and if you've ever been to, like, Mistletoe Marketplace or Christmas Village in Tupelo whatever, there are always people that don't have these crafters license that make, like, Mississippi State-related apparel. And there's a representative from Mississippi State that will walk around those places and look for that kind of stuff to protect Mississippi State. It's like, you shouldn't be able to profit off Mississippi State's image without Mississippi State getting a cut. That's just the reality of how life works. Now, you can, now if you want to make that kind of stuff, you can apply for a crafter's permit through Mississippi State, and you would legally be able to sell that without any you know, repercussions. Of course, there is an agreement you have to make with the university. But there is a process in place that will allow you to make Mississippi State-related merchandise and then sell that at retail, provided the university provides you with a crafter's permit. But we couldn't just go out there and just say, okay, well, listen, I'm going to go put these interlocking MSU logos on a shirt, and I'm going to sell them and say Mississippi State. Well, because here's what would happen. The the first time we did that, we'd get a cease and desist letter, and we could argue and say, well, wait a minute. They let these rights expire, but then the courts would likely find in their favor and say, well, it's still synonymous with Mississippi State. You're not Mississippi State, and you're selling a Mississippi State logo at retail. And so you're basically profiting off the branding that Mississippi State has built year over year over year, even if it's not actively in use. They still retain the rights to it. And so I think it's important to understand, number one, there's not an issue here. I have spoke to several people, and I even explained, I said, hey, listen, I don't know what happened, but, you know, this is showing that it has expired, you know, with the United States Patent Office. Well, the steps have been taken to correct that. Okay, but here's the deal. I mean, it's like there, there's so many things that we get so fired up about this is really majoring in minor things. I think the big issue and the big win here, the big news is, is that if Mississippi State wants to use that late 90s MSU logo, it appears that they should be able to do it. I don't know if we shouldn't do it for the Egg Bowl. And could you imagine if they, if we come running out of that tunnel with the 99 uniforms on, you know, with the Miss State and that interlocking MSU, could you imagine the explosion of the crowd? Can you imagine how much Emotion there would be in that stadium, it'd be incredible. I, I'd love it, wouldn't you? It's, I mean, it would be perfect. But that's not a city said it's going to do it, but they can, they can, because it's their image, it's their logo. And I'm not going to get into detail about who all I spoke to, but let me just say I spoke to people that don't know, and so you can rest assured that the beloved Mississippi State logos of the past are protected. You can rest assured that Mississippi State is going to continue to use those at times. And whether it be on a T-shirt or perhaps, uh, you know, putting something special on a helmet for, you know, a a weekend or something like that, you know, we're going to do it. And I think this is a day and time where things are a little bit different. Like, I'm a big traditionalist about a lot of things. I'll be honest with you. I I didn't like all the crazy uniforms for baseball. I'm just going to be honest with you. Maybe I'm an old guy. Get off my lawn, whatever. I really believe in tradition, especially for baseball. I really, really do. And it, maybe it's because we have such a rich tradition that the M over S is synonymous with baseball excellence. That's not to say that we haven't worn it in the past. Somebody sent me a copy of a 1971 uh, Mississippi State football program with Charlie Shira on the cover. And guess what? He's wearing an M over S, M over S cap. So it hadn't just been a baseball thing. Right but i think in football especially when you're a football program like us i think sometimes we got to be a little cooler and that's not to say that m over s isn't cool i mean it's cooler than being cool to borrow a phrase andre but i think we got to be a little bit creative at times and probably do some things with uniforms that kind of create a little bit of a buzz because you know i mean look at all the social media traffic we get and we roll those hey this is what we're wearing all these are great these are these are fire right i think it's important that we do that kind of stuff and so I like kind of changing the helmets up every once in a while. You know, I, I know that some of our fans have kind of submitted some mock concepts and that sort of stuff and have even used one of them. I like the little bulldog on the side of the helmet. I think it's cool. I don't think you should always have the same thing. Like, I look at Alabama and people say, you know, you know Alabama when they take the field. Yeah, you do. And they've worn basically the same uniform since eternity. But, but the reality of it is I, I think Alabama and Penn State are kind of boring. I think Notre Dame's a little boring. And so well yeah man I mean, it's it's tradition yeah I, I get it i do but i don't know that we have the same tradition as those schools and so i think we got to be a little more trendy at times and so i like the uniform concepts i like it when we change it up uh, i've never really liked the maroon jerseys with the maroon pants i don't i don't think that looks good i'm kind of okay every once in a while with the maroon pants and the white lids i mean the white tops and maroon helmets I like, I like whatever we do, but see, you know the uniforms that I like the most, and I mean this with all of my heart. The uniforms that I like the most in every sport are the ones we win in. That's what I care about. I, I, I don't. We're not. we are i am not here for a fashion show. If I wanted to do that stuff, I would have been an Ole Miss fan. I am here to see us win basketball games, football games, and baseball games. As one of the dogs is snoring over there, um, that's all I care about. I want to win. I want to win athletic competitions. That's what I want to do. And so I think sometimes we get a little derailed worrying about other things. It's like, oh, well, this is happening and this why why aren't we doing this? And I want what's best for Mississippi State too. But the number one thing on that list is to win. And if we win, it's amazing how those little things begin to kind of dissipate. It's like all these things, these minor things that we major in. It's incredible how they lose importance when we're winning big. And that's what I want. I want us to win big where we don't care what uniforms we wear. I want us to win big that we don't care how the, uh, you know, how the park parking flows. You know, It's like when you're losing or you're struggling a little bit, all that stuff matters. Oh, I'm not getting enough ice in my drink. Right? I want to get back to those days where you, you didn't dare go to the concession stand because you were scared you're going to miss something. That's what I want. I want to win. That's what I want. All right, time for today's top ten list, brought to you by ClothesWithBlair.com. with Blair.com. Blair Chandler, a longtime friend of mine. I love Blair, man. Blair's like a brother to me. Love that guy to death, man. I do. He doesn't listen to a lot of great music, but I don't hold that against him. He's a great guy. He's a guy that will help you get your home refinanced or perhaps purchase a new home, whether it be a second home, an investment property, or perhaps your primary residence. Maybe you've always had the dream of home ownership but felt that it was not for you. Maybe it was elusive. Maybe you tried before and it didn't work out. Maybe you just weren't quite ready. Blair can help get you ready. And he tells me, we've had a handful of you folks that have reached out and said, hey, man, Blair, I want to work with you because I believe in doing business with Bulldogs. And I firmly believe that. I think at all possible we should keep it in the family when we can. And Blair is a part of our family, season ticket holder, multiple sports, has a place up here in Starkville. is here regularly. Be sure and give him your business. Take advantage of these lower rates while we still have them. Get your equity working for you. Refinance your home. Consolidate some debt you know, put in a deck and a pool, whatever, you know, maybe you've always wanted to put together that, you know, that glamorous patio area, put in a gazebo, whatever, whatever you want to do, Blair can help you with that. and Get your money working for you. Check him out at closewithblair.com. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, if you mention to him that you heard about him on the Boneyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. That's about a $300 value, excuse me, $500 value. Prices have gone up since I bought a house. But Blair is a guy, too, that can navigate through all this. Top 1% close ratio in the country. Works for Fairway Mortgage. That's one of the top five mortgage lending institutions in America. Not some subprime lender out there that, you know, was here today and gone tomorrow. Give Blair a call today at 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. That's call or tax because that's his personal cell number. He's not hiding behind a voicemail and going to kind of get around to you when he can. This is your friend in the business. We all need a guy in the industry, in every industry. They can help us, guy or gal. Somebody that knows ropes, that's Blair. Check him out today, clotheswithblair.com. All right, top 10 list. We're doing rap today. I just kind of felt it, man, this week. I was thinking about it earlier this week. And, and uh, you know, if you're like me, it's like, I can't listen to the same stuff all the time. You know, it's like a joke about... Uh, you know, my playlist. I mean, it's, it's pretty eclectic in many respects. There's some obscure 80s and 90s rock bands many of you have never really heard of that I absolutely love. Maybe we'll do a top 10 list of those guys soon. But uh, but I listened to some rap music earlier this week, and sometimes I'm just kind of in that mood, man. And I like a little attitude, but I tell you this, that one of the things that I have shared many times, and I know I'm getting old, I don't like a lot of modern rap. I, I don't. And like people's like, oh my gosh, like even my, my kids will say, I can't believe you don't like so and so. Well, they're not any good. How about that? How about, we, how about that's the first thing on our list? They're not any good. Period. That's not to say there aren't some people out there doing a good job, but a lot of this stuff today that people are like, oh, well, this is just great. No, it's not. It's not, not, in my opinion. You're free to like whoever you want, no matter how mediocre they are. But today, we're going to talk about one of the greatest rappers of all time. I'm going to give you a, let me run down the list here, a few things. 13 albums, excuse me, 125 million albums sold, 23 Grammar, Grammy Awards. That's the most in the rap industry in all time. Most albums sold by a solo artist in his genre. He is the first rapper to ever be inducted into the Songwriting Hall of Fame. And when you consider the people that have come before him, some of the greats, you know, even uh, you know, Chuck D and LL Cool J, Run DMC, and many, many more, Ice-T, also in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We're talking about Sean Carter. That's Jay-Z. He also married Beyonce. You know, It's like a lot of people say, you know, I don't just want to be this. I want to be a mogul. That's what Jay-Z is. This is a guy. He is winning in every aspect of life, man. Everything he does turns to gold. There are a lot of people out there that like, are very talented but don't have good business sense, and it is clear that Jay-Z does. It is clear that he has surrounded himself with very high-quality people. He is an extremely intelligent individual, and it comes across in his music. Hadn't recorded a lot lately. He does a lot of guest spots. and does a lot of producing. But this is a guy that knows the winning formula. I mean, he married Queen Bee, for, for goodness sake. They have a family. You know, a lot of these uh, celebrity romances never make it. This one seems legit. Seems like just two people love each other. It's great, and it's not to say that they won't have some bad days every once in a while. But when you look at what Jay-Z's done in his life, it is it is absolutely phenomenal to see what he's done. I don't know many people that are as successful as Jay-Z. I mean, honestly. When you, not just in the music industry, but just in life. When you look and see what he's done, and then like, it's one of the things that I do like about social media is every so often, like there's so many people that have these, you know, we, we want to see the, you know, the fights, you know, you want to see you know, the celebrities at their weak moments where somebody gets out of character and, and shows some human side. Every so often across my timeline, I'll see some video that's out there that some fan has taken of like Jay Z like talking to their their kid, or Jay Z, uh, you know, doing things that you know nicer people like he'll be going to his car or whatever and he'll stop or. He'll hand somebody some money. And he's done an incredible amount of stuff, um, you know, with his money, too, that really doesn't do anything for him. But he gave a million dollars to Katrina Relief. He gave, you know, 100,000 masks during COVID relief that he gave. They just kind of gave away. There are a lot of people that make a lot of money, and they sit on it and they keep it, and they say, well, I've earned it. It's mine. He's been very, very generous with his money. Gave a lot of money to the Red Cross when uh, they had the – the big issue up in New York here, a couple. Of, I guess the hurricane relief, I guess that was it. But one of the things that I have heard, too, is that uh, Jay-Z does a lot that, he that you don't know about. And that's one of the things that I love about life is there are people out there that will do things because they're good, not because they want headlines. It's not like he's putting together a mission trip to Haiti for a photo op just so they can go put it on Twitter. This is a guy that does good things. And, and I have read, I guess, I can't remember the name of the song. There's a song, though, that, um, and I don't even remember who he's quoting, but he talks about the best giving is anonymous to anonymous. That's true. If you're really giving from the goodness of your heart, you don't need to get credit for it. I heard somebody say it once. It's like uh, if you really want to know the difference between, you know, like humility and that sort of stuff, you know, it's like. So it's like if, if you're doing something for somebody, let's say, for an example, you, 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 go to, you go to Walmart and you see your friend's car outside and they left their lights on, go over there and turn their lights off. And then if you see them in the store and if you say, hey, I saw your lights on and turned them off, you don't have any humility. So just, it's, good. it's okay to do good things and nobody know about it. I think that's important in life. And so I have a tremendous amount of respect for Jay-Z, not just as a performer, but as a person. And uh, I think it is far overdue that we do this list. So here we go. I'm not his publicist or his agent, so I'm going to stop talking about all the great things he's done. Let's talk some music. A few honorable mentions today. Encore, Money Cash Hoes, Big Pimpin' and Renegade. That's with Eminem. I really dig that track. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you now, there's going to be a few of your favorites that didn't make the list because Jay-Z's catalog is so, is so expensive. Thirteen albums, right? There's a lot to pull from. But these are my top ten Jay-Z songs. And I'll be honest with you, I've shared with you guys before, that album that he did with Lincoln Park, Collision Course, is a masterpiece. I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. All right, but here we go. And some of those songs that are on Collision Course are on this list. Number 10, Izzo. And that's one of the things that I love about Jay-Z, too, is the instrumentation with which he raps on. It's all so different. You know, like some people just you know, get the same guy that produces the same tracks over and over and over again. Jay-Z has worked with a lot of different people, and so there's a lot of variety in those soundtracks. Izzo, of course, that great organ, kind of a throwback. Uh, number 9, Empire State of Mind. I think you'll dig that one. That one's been everywhere. Number eight, and uh, I I don't use a lot of this language in my personal life, and so I'm not going to use it on the show, but this is a collaboration with Kanye West. We're just going to call this one In Paris. In Paris. And uh, it is phenomenal. I'm not a big Kanye West guy. I respect his talent and the huge following that he has. But Jay-Z, I think, eats on this track. I really do. I think Jay-Z is the headliner on this track. I think Kanye West does a good job, but it's almost like you know, he's the Robin to Jay-Z's Batman. Number seven, one of the greatest, the public service announcement. Please allow me to reintroduce myself. I, I, that's 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 Izzo. But uh, public service announcement is a great track, and uh, when you get on Apple Music and stuff, it's usually the the most listened to Jay-Z song. One of the ones from back in the day that really got a lot of play on MTV, back when MTV played music, was Hard Knock Life. And maybe it's because of the fact that we all knew that from Annie, but if you listen to the verses on this, it is incredible. There are some rhymes that he comes up with that are just almost next level. We, and that's the thing we talk about. Well, this guy's on another level. Jay-Z is. He is an incredible lyricist. He is a poet. And I think you really see it on Hard Knock Life. And he's got just enough street cred, too, where it's like he appeals to everybody. It's a difficult thing, man. Number five, I Just Want to Love You. And that's, again, different than anything else he's really done. He's got a little guitar on it. Of course, the falsetto uh, with the background vocalist there. Number four, you heard this at Dirty Noble Field this year. It, for a while there, it was Christian McLeod's uh, walkout song. That's Run This Town featuring Rihanna. Rihanna, Great. Um, number three, going back to the late 90s, this was really my first introduction to Jay-Z. But it's Can I Get a... And you know the rest. I absolutely love the baseline on this one. I don't know how anybody could like this. This is a killer track. And, of course, he, you know, he talks really you know about being famous and about girls, would you like me you know, if my dough was low? I mean, it's, it's a different deal. And uh, it is a bit of a duet. The video is, is legit. But I just love that track. I think that track. It sounds so great in a car. It's like you can't turn it up loud enough. There are a, lot, there are a few songs out there that it's like, you know, the, the, the beat is just infectious. This is one of them. I think most of us would agree with the top two. But I know there's some of you guys that are really, really, really big Jay-Z fans. So there's probably some songs in this catalog you're more familiar with. But you would say, you know what, Steve, you missed it on this one. And I'm prepared for the criticism. And I'm okay with it because what you're going to tell me is, Steve, you blew it. This song should have been there. And the first thing that I'm going to do when I get in the car is I'm going to put that song on. And I'm going to become more familiar with it. And I've listened to just about all of his albums. But you guys know him probably perhaps better than I do. I know a lot of the hits. But number two for me, and again, a killer, killer track. It's Dirt Off Your Shoulder. Dirt Off Your Shoulder is a great, great track. And I love that part uh, where he talks about he who's not real to me is not real to me. He who does not feel me is not real to me. Therefore, he doesn't exist. So poof, vamos, you know the rest of it. But number one for me, and it's a track that Rick Rubin produced. Of course, Rick Rubin was involved with Slayer. He was involved with Beastie Boys. It's a guy that's been around forever and a day. One of the super producers in the world. I think he brought out the best in Jay-Z. And this song was everywhere. Absolutely everywhere, it crossed over. Everybody was singing this song. People got shirts made, right? His and her couples got football jerseys that said the same thing. That's 99 problems. That second verse on 99 problems, we talked about getting pulled over by the police. You know, he's like, uh, you know, you were doing 55 and a 54. License registration, can you step out of the car. You're carrying a weapon on you. I know a lot of you are. That that verse is one of the greatest verses ever written, regardless of genre, whether it be rock, country, rap, gospel, whatever. That is one of the greatest verses written of all time. And it's not just because of the message behind it, the creativity in it. Yeah, I get so excited when I hear that song. Like sometimes, like there's some songs you put on repeat. When I'm in a Jay-Z mood, I'll listen to that one three or four times just to hear that verse again. The whole, the whole song is an absolute gem. But that verse not only does it give you a dose of reality and perhaps a reality you've never experienced, but he makes such artistic use of that experience that not only does it drive it home, but you you feel like you are Jay-Z in many respects. Like, you know, I've kind of dealt with some of that too, but you know what, even if I haven't, I can respect it. I can respect the experience. And while the song is kind of, you know, tongue-in-cheek and there's a lot of fun stuff in it, I just feel like that is an important verse for a lot of reasons but I think it also too shows how intelligent the Jay-Z is. He talks about uh, you mind if I look around the car a little bit well you know the the trunk is locked in the glove compartment too and you know so I know that uh, you're going to need a warrant for that you know aren't you smart it's a tack a lawyer somebody somebody important well I ain't past the bar but I know a little bit enough that you want to legally search you know what and so I absolutely love it man it's one of those things too it's like to me, it's not even really a rap song, right? It's just a, an incredible song. I don't even think it that you can put a label on it. And, yes, it comes from the rap genre. I just think it's such an important song, and it's so creative. In my honest opinion, it is one of the greatest songs ever written, period. I absolutely love 99 Problems, and there's so many other ones. I could talk about Jay-Z for a long time. And, again, I'm not the big fan that some of you guys are. But um, that just really shows the fame and talent of Sean Carter – that he can have so many hits that so many people know that aren't really die-hard rap fans you talk about a crossover and a guy that uh that has made it happen in life it's Jay-Z man love it love it love it and I apologize for my rudimentary rapping skills today on the show trying to repeat those lyrics I get excited man talking about Jay-Z we should have done this a long time ago we absolutely should have and so my apologies to you guys that love Jay-Z but here's your list today I hope you enjoy it uh, put it on your, on, on your Spotify. And, of course, thanks to Roy Cimante for putting those lists on Spotify and also Izzy Mandaba for putting them on Apple Music. For those of you that don't subscribe to Spotify, you can check those out. Again, that's Jay-Z's Top Ten. If you have an idea for the Top Ten list, reach out and let me know. We might just do it here on the show. A lot of you guys, we've got a lot of new lists lately. We have. A lot of people have recommended some, hey, Steve, what about this, what about that? And uh, this week I've kind of freelanced a little bit. You know, we had uh, A.V.'s New Wave earlier in the week and um, that was recommended by a friend of course and then we did Little Affair on Wednesday a lot of reaction to that one too I've had a lot of my female friends have reached out and said I'm so glad you did this man take me back I love that time of music and so I enjoy kind of going back and, uh, and reminiscing with you guys too and kind of enjoy and rediscovering I guess some of those great songs of yesterday so there you go top 10 Jay-Z songs reach out to me on social media at Scout Steve R. If you're not following me on Twitter, I know what you're doing with your life. That's where you should be. Next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. I was with those fine folks at Campus Bookmart Mart down at Mistletoe Marketplace Wednesday evening and Thursday. If you're in the area, you can go by and pick up signed copies of all four of my books right there at the Campus Bookmart Mart uh, display there at Mistletoe Marketplace. Pretty easy to find. Ms. Kathy Brown, lovely, talented Susie on site there to help you. Is, uh, as well as Kelly. She used to be Kelly Coleman, but she married Chip, the prince of uh, Byram. So, uh, like Chip a lot, man. Great, great people, man. I, like, I feel like those people are family to me. You know what I'm saying? There's some people you meet in life that just show you some kindness. That's how the Campus Bookmark family's been to me. But it's not exclusive to me. They love you, too. Go by and check them out today. Go see them, whether it be in Starkville or perhaps uh, in Jackson this weekend. And uh, if you can't make it to town, I encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmark.net. By being a lawyer, Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Outfit your family in the latest in white fashions today at Campus Bookmart. All right, so let's get into uh, picking the SEC weekend. You guys know how I feel about this Mississippi State Arkansas game. It is a huge, huge game for us. We've had some success up there. This is a pretty good Arkansas team too, though. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong; they have they had a rough stretch there, but it's not like they were losing to Vanderbilt. And uh, all due respect to Vanderbilt, but nobody expects you to win a game in the SEC. And when you when you do keep it close, it's a surprise to all of us. And it's not like we're rooting for you. We're kind of rooting against them because we want to laugh at the people you beat. Like if you beat Ole Miss, nobody's going to enjoy that more than us. We will probably enjoy it more than you, Vanderbilt, if you could find a way to beat Ole Miss, which we know you won't. But if you do, we will laugh hysterically. We will laugh and laugh and laugh. And because you guys don't really have any fans, nobody will enjoy that more than us. So I'm going to ask you, Vanderbilt, I mean, you know, we kind of on you guys right now anyway, but uh, you know, maybe find it in your way to win that ball game. How about that? That'd be a nice Christmas present for your dad if you guys could find a way to beat Ole Miss. And again, you know, not, not expecting it to happen, but if you did, man, we would love you guys for a little while anyway. We'd love you for a little bit. We'd cheer for you. You'll never have more Mississippi State fans cheering for you ever in your lifetime than when you guys play that annual rivalry game with Ole Miss, the Battle of the Vanderbilt's. It's uh, one of those games we all look forward to every year. So, all right. So let's jump on the train here and look at uh, at our schedule before we get to uh, get too carried away. Missouri is at Georgia, and you guys, I, I felt early on that Missouri would find a way to upset somebody. That defense is absolutely atrocious. It won't he won't change this weekend either. But uh, you know, Georgia is a really good team, <laughs> and I think it's obvious. And uh, this is another one you know, I, I think we will get out of hand fairly quickly. Missouri is not going to be able to stop Georgia. Georgia has the athletes to stop Missouri, and I think Missouri in many respects is, is really, 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 really in a bad place right now. When you look at this, they're four and forward four to play, and you begin to look at the schedule, and, and it's difficult to see where there are two certain wins because you know there's a certain loss this weekend, right? They're going to lose to Georgia. They get South Carolina next week. Which will make them five and five, and you got to find a way to beat either Florida or Arkansas. Now I can't say that those are sure losses, but they're not sure wins. You got a couple of toss-ups down the stretch, uh, and then you know, angry Dan Mullen is usually fun. Dan Mullen, so we'll kind of see what happens when they go to Missouri. I, I think Missouri will probably score, and I think Ty Grantham's job is probably in jeopardy at the University of Florida. All right, Liberty at Ole Miss. Ole Miss really beat up in this ball game. Really, really beat up. Don't know how beat up. I guess we'll see. You know, we'll see how things go on Saturday. You know, a lot of people are thinking Liberty could win this ballgame. I, I just don't think so. I just don't think that Liberty is going to have the horses on defense and be able to slow down that, that running game. And I think with Matt Corral kind of beat up and the wide receiver core really kind of thin, I think they turn to the ground game. And I think they're going to run. Now, of course, Liberty, you know, Hugh Freeze, uh, despite his personal failings, is a guy that can really coach offense. So he will have some things kind of schemed up to give Ole Miss some trouble. So I think Liberty can score some in this ballgame. I just don't think they're going to be able to kind of to maintain the pace. I, I think at some point Ole Miss will give them some issue. Now, you know, Liberty's probably going to run some tempo. They have a first-round draft pick at quarterback. So I won't be the least bit surprised if this is a game that is a game that goes into the fourth quarter. But I also know that um, eventually the talent differential takes over. I've had a lot of people ask me, well, Steve, who are, you, who are you rooting for in this ballgame? Yeah, and I really don't have a vested interest in games outside of the, the Mississippi State bubble. I want Mississippi State to win, and then I want the teams around us to lose so it improves our ball standing. But, you know, I, I'm not pulling for Liberty. I'm not pulling for Hugh Freeze. I'm not pulling for Ole Miss. I am cheering for Ole Miss to lose, though. It's as simple as that. So you, you make of that what you will. You know, a loss to Ole Miss, of course, is a win for Mississippi State because of the fact that we recruit many of the same players. We live in the same state. And at this point, we're kind of in that same tier of bowl game. So them losing is good for us. That's not mean that I'm cheering for Hugh Freeze. So don't get it twisted. I'm cheering for Mississippi State. And what's in Mississippi State's best interest is for Ole Miss to lose this football game. Auburn at A&M, that's the uh, 230 CBS game. Would love to be able to watch that one. I'll DVR that one and watch it probably uh, Sunday night. Should be a fun game. Auburn ranked 13th, A&M 14th. Uh, I disagree with that. I think A&M is the better team, and they're playing at home. But this should be a really fun game. I'm not just quite sure what to make of the Auburn offense yet, but when Bo Nix is really good, and he's really good at home, Auburn is very good. But this is on the road at Kyle Field. I think in the end that the 12th man makes a difference. I think the Aggies won a close one. But I really, really like this game. I wish, you know, if this would be a good week for us to have a bye week so we could all sit home and watch some of these games that we care so much about. There are some really good games in the league this week, and this is probably the best one. Mississippi State, of course, at Arkansas, we discussed that. I I do think we win it. I think we got to go over there and play clean. Simple as that. We go over there and play our game. Zach Arnett's going to find a way to slow them that Arkansas running game. Probably won't stop it. Probably won't contain it. But I think he can slow them down enough that we can get them in some third and longs. Because, you know, to be honest with you, a second and long is a win for Mississippi State. We can't allow them to win on first down. Because if they start winning on first down and setting up second and mediums and third and shorts, they're going to sustain drives. They're going to shorten the game on us. And so we've got to go over there and get some stops, get them behind the chains early. So I expect to see a lot of run blitz early on to string some things out, to put the ball in the game in K.J. Jefferson's hands to make him win the game. I don't think he can win us throwing the football, beat us throwing the football. If I can ever get on track today, I don't think they can win the game with K.J. being one-dimensional and having to throw the football. Ball placement is a bit of, a, of an issue for him. And if they, the more times they throw it, that increases the likelihood of us catching the football. How about that? So, again, I think we win the ballgame. I I, honestly, I could see us going up there and winning this thing big. I really could. I, I think I picked it 31-13, and maybe that's a bit aggressive. But I think that we're going to have a good ballgame. I I will be surprised if we don't. And that's not in any way to say that Arkansas is a bad team. I just don't think we're a very good matchup for them. They have not played a lot of pass-first teams. and You look at that pass defense number, and it kind of jumps off the page at you. Then when you get a little deeper into it, you kind of realize – they just hadn't had to play against a lot of passing teams. And then you know Ole Miss, obviously a very balanced offensive team, and how could you not say that Matt Corral didn't have a big day against Arkansas? He absolutely did. And if if Lane Kiffin doesn't put Arkansas in uh, plus territory by going for it on fourth down from their own side of the field up 10, you know that game is probably not close, to be honest with you. That that kind of gave Arkansas hope. Mike Leach will make those mistakes. With long as we don't turn the football over, I think we're going to win this game uh, a couple scores or better. LSU with Alabama, man, that, that's, this is a game, too. Beginning of the year, people were like, oh, man, this is going to be great. We knew that LSU wasn't going to be what they had been, but little did we know that they were going to go off the rails the way they have. I think Alabama can name their score. And if I'm, uh, if I'm Nick Saban, I shouldn't have to say much. It's LSU. And it's Ed run. A couple years ago, he had a whole lot of things to say. But when I look at this, uh, you know, LSU team, you know, it's a four and four again. You know, they're behind Mississippi State in the bowl packing order. We need to keep them there. So of course, a loss to Alabama makes them four and five, putting them in a situation where they got to win two of the last three. Well, one of those is Louisiana Monroe. If I had to call the LSU schedule today, it's probably six and six. Right? It's probably six and six. Lose to Alabama. I think they beat Arkansas. In Baton Rouge, but you know we'll see. Then the, then LSU will beat UL Monroe and then lose to Texas A and M. That's how I see it. So I think best case for them seven and five, most likely six and six. That's what makes this ball game so big for Mississippi State. We win this weekend, we're I think we're we're insured of being ahead of LSU in the ball packing order. And who would have thought that at the beginning of the year, especially considering that they beat us. So that's your rooting interest there. Alabama, of course, gives—you know—they're playing for the playoff. But our rooting interest is Alabama this ball game because we want LSU to finish behind us. Now Tennessee, Kentucky—we'll have a chance to watch that. You guys will, you know. I'll be—I'll—I'll uh, I'll be in Arkansas still, but I'll hopefully get a chance to watch the second half of this game. I'm excited about this game. I, I really am. Uh, I think Kentucky was exposed last week, as we've shared on the show a few times. And Tennessee coming off the open date, and I know open dates have been no guarantee of success this year, but Tennessee is due for that get-over-the-hump game, right? Remember early in the let's just run down Tennessee's schedule, right? So that they beat Bowling Green, and it was a struggle for a half. And then they lose to Pitt, and that's when they were still trying to figure things out on quarterback, right? Then they blast Tennessee Tech. They get shelled by Florida they absolutely dominate Missouri, and that was one that really surprised me. Not really that Tennessee won the game. I did pick Missouri to win, but Tennessee put up 62 points in that ballgame. They turn around the next week and beat South Carolina 45-20. They nearly pull it off against Ole Miss, and to this day, I'll tell you, he was short of the line of the game. I know that's fun to talk about. He was short. He wasn't as short as they marked him, but he was fourth down either way. I mean, excuse me, it was turnover on downs either way. So, Ole Miss won the ballgame. And uh, we can go back to the scoop and score that wasn't. But Ole Miss found a way to win. But that was an opportunity for Tennessee to have that kind of season-defining moment. It's like, okay, okay, so we got a top 15 win. Now we're on the right track. Well, they didn't win that ballgame. They were in the ballgame with Alabama until Alabama said, okay, we're tired of playing with you. So, I think they're due. I mean, I think they're due for that win where you're like, Tennessee fans are like, okay, we're on the right track. I think they get it this week. I think Tennessee goes into Lexington and wins the game. I think Kentucky is probably looking in the mirror a little bit and thinking, you know what, maybe we're not as good as we thought. Maybe we're not. Remember that guy that said we were going to go 11-1? Maybe he was wrong. Because Mississippi State came out and absolutely punched Kentucky in the mouth and made them like it. And while they're sitting back there swallowing their own blood, 31-10, to you know, it's like, you're already thinking about Tennessee. Well, well, this is going to be a sellout next week. I think Tennessee wins this ballgame. I think Josh Hype was a good enough offensive coach, and I'm sure he learned after watching what State did last week. I think Javante Payton is a guy to watch. The guy was at Mississippi State and uh, had some shiny moments, but I think we underutilized him a little bit. And, of course, he was broken up a lot last year, too. The guy was banged up a lot, did his best to play through. The guy's a warrior. I give him a lot of credit. I look for Javante Payton to have a big game against that Kentucky secondary. They cannot cover. And that's the thing. When you can't cover and all of a sudden you've got to line up across a guy that's a superior athlete, it's six points. And I think Tennessee is more athletic than Kentucky, and I think that'll show in this ballgame. So we're going to pick Tennessee. And Tennessee, too. That's the thing. You look at them. We talk about the bowl pecking order. They're four and four. They're right there behind us. But I, I... They win this one, it's going to be tough to catch them. I mean, like Stay ahead of them. We may be right there with them. Maybe they end up in a gator ball. Who knows? But... They beat Kentucky. They'll lose to Georgia next week. They'll beat South Alabama, they'll beat Vanderbilt. So this game this weekend in many respects will kind of define their season. You lose it, you're 4 and 5, you lose next week, you're 4 and 6. The next thing you know, you're 6 and 6. So a win this week, I think makes Kentucky 7 and 5 in the final the final tally. So that's where I think that's such an important ball game for state. You know, you're rooting interest here. You know, you would say, well, you know i'd like to see you know kentucky win cuz it makes us look better kentucky's ahead of us in the bowl packing order they're at 6 and 2 so if we get a win and they lose guess what now we're both 6 and 3 and we are better than them because we beat them head to head so you need tennessee to win cuz i think eventually we will stay at least even with them in the bowl packing order the final game of the day is florida at south carolina now dan has had a rough week And let me me just share with you my opinion about that. Like He said, you know, hey, here's the deal. We'll talk about recruiting when it's time for recruiting. That's not saying they're not recruiting. We dealt with that here, too. You know, Dan did not want to talk about a lot of recruiting stuff at the podium. Now, we did some one-on-one kind of off-the-cuff stuff after press conferences at times. You know, a couple minutes here and there. But what he's saying is, look, I'm at the podium. We're in the middle of the season. We're going to talk about the season. We're going to talk about the game we just had and the game we got coming up. That's kind of who Dan's been. He doesn't talk a whole lot about recruiting in-season. That doesn't mean they don't recruit, but that's kind of been what people have suggested this week. Florida right now also behind Mississippi State in the ball-packing order. How about that? Four and four. Hey, Dan. But when you look at the schedule, you, you kind of realize it's pretty favorable. They could win out. They should win out. They're at South Carolina, which is a really bad team. They get Samford. They go to Mizzou, which could be interesting, and then they get Florida State. It's a rivalry game. You never know. So I think the floor for Florida is six and six, and a ceiling eight and four. But again, they're right there with us. So you know, it would help us if South Carolina won this game. I just don't think South Carolina has any chance in this game. I just think they'll be out athleted. And listen, they still don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. It's been um, it's been rough. But again south carolina right there behind us at four and four but one and four in the league and you look at what they have left and you can see a scenario where they don't win another game and i, and I suspect that'll be the case to be quite honest with you unless they can find a way uh, to figure it out next week against mizzou Yeah, you know, the quarterback situation they've had so many injuries up there they weren't ultra talented at quarterback anyway and then when you've had to play this game of uh you know musical chairs because of injury it doesn't help matters but you know, Florida will win this week. And then, of course, South Carolina goes to Mizzou. Then they they host Auburn and Clemson. It looks like right now, if we had to call it now, three of those four are probably certain losses, which means best-case scenario for the Gamecocks in the first year of Shane Beamer's ten years five and seven. So, again, the ball picture kind of taking shape here for us. But, uh, you know, it's incredible to think how poorly we started the season at some point. That that loss to Memphis really hurt us, Right. It really did, but when you look at the standings right now, and I don't know if you know if you've realized this, you know there's only a handful of teams that have a better record than us within the, within the league. You know we're three and two. Alabama's four and one. Kentucky's four and two. Georgia's six and zero. Auburn's three and one. They still got some conference games to go, and we're right there with Ole Miss, guys. We're right there with A but if you look at the people behind us, I mean there's a handful of teams out there that of course are gonna have a losing record within a league. And so we have a chance to play our way into a decent bowl game. We felt at the beginning of the year it would be probably a Tennessee bowl game, maybe Music City, maybe Liberty. And you know what? I think it, all of us was, you know what, Steve, hey, I'll take that. We go seven and five this year and go to Music City, I'll take it. That's a nice step in the right direction. We will have earned a bowl rather than just gotten one by default, and we got that last year even though we did win the game, okay? But so you know what? We won four games last year. If we win seven, win the bowl game. We've doubled our win total in year two under Mike Leach. I think we can all feel good about that. But now when you begin to look at the traffic clearing around us, you begin to realize, you know, hey, we might actually get a better bowl game than that. We just have to take care of business because there's going to be a lot of head-to-head among the league that is going to allow this traffic to clear. And we could come out the other side of this thing looking pretty good. Mississippi State just needs to take care of Mississippi State. And uh, I think we all feel pretty good. Kind of about the direction of the program. And kind of going back to our first segment, you know, I think Mike Leach has kind of put his uh, foundation down now. Now we're getting ready to kind of get things rolling. Final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. Ran into some people last night that are, uh, that are friends with Brooks, Brian and his wife, Beth. Now, what's interesting to me is they kind of agree with me that Brooks is like number two in those rankings. I'm, I'm joking. I love Brooks to death, man. And, uh, you know, Brooks is another one of those guys, too, that, um, it's one of those guys, too, that kind of gets things done. Brooks a guy that's very likable, wants to make Starkville and Mississippi State a better place. He's involved with the uh, Portico group. It's a great residential development here in town. A lot of people are talking about it. It's been wonderful. You turn off of 82 twelve, right, on the north side of campus, and you take the first ride on Pat Station Road. That takes you to Portico. That's how close you are to campus, 1.1 miles away. You're going to be excited about that, and you should be. Portico is a great place to live. You can get a two-bedroom, two-bath home. Start there. You know, maybe you're retired or maybe, you, maybe this is your young family. It's a good way to go. Or maybe you're going to be entertaining a lot for ballgame weekends and you need that four-bedroom, four-bath. There's not, there's not much worse than having, like, a lot of bedrooms and not enough bathrooms, right? So you can get that. Well, here's the deal. Phase one completely sold out. Phase two already have some lots sold and some house plans picked out. So that's kind of an advantage for you. If you're not in a big hurry to move, you say, you know what, hey, I'd like to have new construction. I'd like to have a say in what the house looks like. So you can kind of have some things kind of tailored to your needs, Give our friend Brooks Bryan a call today. You'll be glad you did. Let me give you his number. And this is just between us, right? No, I'm kidding. You can share it with whoever you want to. And if you forget it or don't have a chance to write it down, you message me, and I'm happy to give it to you. Brooks Bryan, 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. And, Brooks, I did meet your wife's best friend last night. I know you're listening. And uh, so if anything happens and I need to get some information, you know, I can do that. You know, I, I can get some information, Brooks, that I could use to my advantage. I, I'm joking. Brooks is a friend. Uh, love that guy to death, and you will too. And that's one of the best things about it is doing business with Bulldogs, people that love and respect Mississippi State the way that we do. It's important. It really is. It really, really means a lot to me. And I'm going to share with you guys a real quick story too uh, before we move on and we look at our, our moment in Bulldog history brought to you by Portico. When I got ready to move to Starkville, I insisted when I talked to my real estate agent. I said, I want a Mississippi State banker. I want a Mississippi State loan officer. I want a Mississippi State appraiser. I want a Mississippi State processor. I want a Mississippi State inspector. Number one, I didn't want any OMS people to know where I lived. But also, too, when you do something like that, and of course I didn't get all that stuff because you can't pick and choose all that stuff. But I believe we should take care of each other. That's how I've always felt. And uh, it means more to me today than it ever has. I believe in small business, and I think whenever possible, we should do business with Mississippi State people. And listen, it's your money, right? But I believe in supporting Bulldogs. That's what I'll do. That's what I continue to do, and that's what I encourage you to do as well. All right, we're going to go back. We've talked about some great ball games in the Mississippi State-Arkansas rivalry. And, of course, Arkansas uh, holds the series lead there. But I would say perhaps the biggest win for us, against the University of Arkansas. Happened in 1998. Let me set the scene for you a little bit. Houston Nutt, the first year coach at Arkansas in 1998, and uh, they hit the ground running, shall we say. You know, Houston Nutt, of course, uh, I interviewed him for Flim Flam. Had a chance to talk to him on the phone a handful of times. And, uh, man, I tell you, he is just as genuine as you would expect. I mean, just an incredibly down-to-earth guy. Fun to talk to. I mean, absolutely fun to talk to. And so you can see why players would respond to him because there's some authenticity with Houston Nutt. And so they begin the year, guys, 8-0. and First year under Nutt. I mean, it's like, well, how does that happen? You know, what goes on here? What, 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 do you, what, what changed? Because in 1997, Arkansas was just okay. And you know, that's a Danny Ford year. And listen, we were 7-2 and two that year, needing to just beat Arkansas and Ole Miss to get to Atlanta. And we went up there and laid an egg. And uh, Arkansas beats us that year, 17-7. Their only win down the stretch was against us. We were ranked 15th in the country. And we blew it. We did. We went up there and didn't play well. But in 98, Arkansas, coming off a uh, four and seven year the year before, Houston Nut, they beat, they beat UL, they beat Louisiana Lafayette, they beat SMU. Guys, they beat number 22, Alabama, 42 to 6. They beat Kentucky 27-20, and of course Arkansas then is ranked for the fourth week, week end of the season. They beat Memphis, they go to South Carolina, they win that one. They go to Auburn, beat Auburn at Auburn 24-21. They go to Ole Miss and beat them 34 to nothing. And that was a bowl team, too, for Ole Miss, 98. These guys are rolling, man. They were. It's one of those things you look at and you think, you look back at that year and it was a dream year, you know, in many respects, you know, for, for Arkansas. And it was. But some things changed later in the year. So Arkansas has to face number one Tennessee at Tennessee. It's a crazy ball game. Arkansas is up. Arkansas ranked 10th. So it wasn't like it had been a huge upset, but it would have been an upset. But Arkansas was kind of the talk of college football at the time. So Arkansas is up, about to put this game away. I think it's 24-21. And Clint Sterner drops back and stumbles and fumbles the football and Tennessee recovers, they score to win the game 28-24. It was incredible. And you can see that on, on YouTube. And like any time Clint Sterner has a bad take on Twitter, people remind him of that. And I think that's fair. Clint Sterner was a real competitor, and sadly that's the memory people have of him. That guy could really play. He, he could really play. But that's what you remember him for. It was the stumble and the fumble in Knoxville that allowed uh, Tennessee to remain number one. Tennessee, of course, your eventual national champion that year. Is that right? I think it's right. Uh, but, you know, that was a game, too. It's like you look at it, and, like, there were a lot of people kind of rooting for Arkansas because they were the underdog. And, yeah, Arkansas, Tennessee was a national champion that year. But um, but that was one of those games you just, like, it, you couldn't believe what you're seeing. So the next week they have to come to Starkville. We're unranked. Despite the fact they lost, Arkansas actually moved up in the polls to number nine because everybody knew what a close game that was, and Arkansas should have won the game. They didn't. They didn't win. So they come to Starkville, and it's one of those things, too, you look at and you begin to wonder, okay, how is this thing going to work for us? We absolutely dominated the first 20 minutes of this game. Absolutely dominated it. So we go down and we score a touchdown pass from Madkin to Reginald Kelly to make it 7-0. And I can't remember all the turnovers, but it was like, I want to say Fred Smoot nearly had a pick six, and then we had to settle for a field goal. And so it's a 10-0 ball game. Same situation. We get great field position. Another field goal. We get another good drive, and we're down there. And, and I'm looking at these numbers here. It's four four plays, two yards. That may have been the smooth pick right there, but uh, I can't find a play by play. But um, you know, we were, we were absolutely making some big things happen. I did find a play by play. How about that? Did find it. So looking back at the second quarter, against ten nothing ball game, but um, you know we ran Miller a good bit too, and uh, put together a drive. I guess we started at, at their forty six after a bad punt. They had a really bad punt. And so we started there 46. We go down and kick a field goal. Just couldn't get in. We actually had it first and goal at the eight. Had to settle for a field goal. Makes it 13-0. Yeah, the next drive, Anthony Derricks with the pick, returns it 59 yards to the Arkansas six. And you're thinking, okay, we're going to go ahead and put a fork in these guys right here in the second quarter. That's not what happens. We have a a three-yard gain. We're first and goal at their six. We get to the three, and then we go backwards then we have an incomplete pass. We kick another field goal. We had to, so we're settling for field goals, kind of letting them hang around. Again, we've dominated this game, and it's just 16-0. Either of those, we get a touchdown, and you kind of feel like, you know what, this game's getting away. Well, then they come right back and score. And I remember correctly on this one, it was like we had a couple of busted coverages on this drive, and I don't know if we'd relax a little bit. But Clint Sterner comes down, throws a touchdown, makes it 16-7. We come back our next drive. Uh, and end up having a punt uh, from our 47. A holding call puts us behind the chains. We get up a sack. We get a holding call. And so we give them the ball back. It was two thirteen to go in the half. And you're thinking, okay, let's just find a way to get to the half. Well, we don't. Sure enough, Sterner goes down. I think it was Mo Williams' uh, touchdown to make it 16-14. And all of us were thinking, okay, we're ahead. But my goodness, we should be much farther ahead in this ball game we let them hang around and next thing you know they're you know they're in the game and so just before the half we sack clint Turner, edward smith who was a beast for mississippi state especially in this game i think he had three sacks on the day so this is after we had the punt rob morgan had come in because uh, wayne madkin was really struggling and um we had gone for it on a fourth and five. Didn't work out. So Arkansas gets the ball back, and then they decide to take a shot. And Edward Smith sacks him, and then Cle- Kevin Sluter recovers a fumble. If they're 31, and uh, basically it's a one-play drive. Well, uh, we were incomplete. We took a shot, and then we missed to Kevin Purness. So we kicked the field goal. So it's 19-14 at the half. I, I want to give Hazelwood credit for all these field goals because this is one of the most important games in Mississippi State history. And Brian Hazelwood was a huge part of this. But, you know, we time of possession in that quarter, in that second quarter, even though that uh, we gave a couple touchdowns, nine minutes for us. But we penalized three times for 30 yards and then uh, had some negative plays in addition to that to let them kind of hang around a little bit. We get into the third quarter. We get a stop. They punt. We end up having a punt. Jeff Walker with a uh, big 53-yarder there kind of pinned them back deep. Then we get a three and out. Then they get a three and out. And then finally, Arkansas breaks through. And again, remember, we have dominated this game. Absolutely dominated the game. Bulldog defense playing well. And um, Struner takes him down, hits a big big pass to Anthony Lucas for a touchdown. And then Arkansas has got the lead. And I remember when this happened, I'm thinking... How could this happen? How could we play so well and have so many opportunities and be trailing this ballgame? It just didn't seem fair. So we get the ball back and immediately go three and out. can sacked on third down. We have to punt the ball back. And, uh, you know, they're basically just trying to solve this game. We had a big running back. He was a six-year running back, Madre Hill. He got a medical year. And uh, it was a big news for them when they're able to get him back, but uh, really added to their offensive prowess, to say the least. And so, again, it's 21-19. we get ready to go to the fourth quarter. They fumble, but they get back on it, and then that puts them behind the chains, and uh, I guess it brings up a third and two. They went for it on second one, and then uh, Strunner fumbles, and they recovered for a short loss there. Mm -hmm. And so... They decide to go for it on 4th and 2. Rather than kick the field goal, they decide to go for it. And Larry Campbell and Mighty Mouse Tim Nelson make an incredible play at our 19 to turn the ball over. That's a play in the end that would come back to haunt Arkansas. That was a play call. It was a huge mistake. We try to give it right back to them, though. We get out and get a first down. Next thing you know, Madkins intercepted at the 32. And we get him right down. So, again, it's, it's kind of – in Arkansas's mind, I'm sure, thinking, okay, ball don't lie, right? We've got this thing figured out. Well, next thing you know, Sterner throws a pass, intercepted by Robert Bean at our seven. He returns it for 20 yards. Now it's like, okay, who's going to win this game? There's a lot of great things happening here. A lot of people making plays. We end up having a fumble, too. Chris Rennie fumbles, gets back on it, brings up a third, and when we get the first down, we're driving down again. We have to pull Madkin in favor of uh, Rob Morgan. So Morgan comes in. Very first thing is complete to Kevin Cooper for 27 yards. We're thinking, okay, we're good. And I guess that's actually a second pass attempt there. But, you know, Rob comes in after Madkin gets injured. Probably concussion, honestly. Pretty big hit there. Morgan comes in, complete the Kelly for five. And then we go 27 on third and nine down to the Arkansas 24. Randy runs for three. Then we lose three, brings up a third and 10. We're incomplete. And then they call a false start. Arkansas accepts a penalty rather than let Hazelwood kick on a field goal. They try to push us back. We try to push the ball down the field and Morgan's picked off by Harry Wilson, who returns it 30 yards out to our 39. And, um, there's a penalty on the play back, some up, back across midfield. And so there's 434 to, four to go in the game, and you just feel like this is over. All right, this, this game is over. Arkansas has made the decisive play to put this thing away. But Edward Smith said, no, Mississippi State, no, no, this game is not over. We're going to win the ball game. I'm going to give my offense another chance to win the game because we deserve to win this ballgame. We've been the better team, and I know that they've got a single-digit number next to their name, but Edward Smith says no, no Arkansas, not at Davis Wade. Madre Hill runs for four yards right to midfield, big tackles by Sluder and Cornell Menifee. Talked about him recently and we discussed our tribute to Julie Dunn. They drop back to pass, and Edward Smith just takes the right tackle, excuse me, left tackle, into the backfield he has to hold and ed still gets loose and makes the sack i just kind of question why are you throwing there but they are and it's a sack well now all of a sudden we decline the holding penalty we accept the outcome of the play brings up a third and 11 they drop back to pass again edward smith times the blitz perfect comes right up the middle and dumps edward smith and davis wade stadium exploded Absolutely exploded. Three plays, negative twelve yards. They run off just one thirty-seven on the clock, and then to make matters worse for Arkansas, Chris Aiken a twenty-yard punt. So State takes over at our forty-six. We're incomplete. The Prentice Madkin is then sacked, and he fumbles, but he gets back on it. Brings up a third and eighteen from our thirty-eight. He finds Kelvin Love. Who had this sixth sense that took over? It was just the football gods smiling down on Mississippi State. As Calvin Love is being tackled to the Scotfield turf, he has the presence of mind to reach his arm out as he's going down and narrowly achieves the first down marker. Just, just gets it right. It's, you can see the video on YouTube. It is ridiculous what a great job this was. Now it's first and ten at their forty-four. We're incomplete to Prentiss. Incomplete to Prentiss again. They call us for motion. Makes a second fifteen. Then we're incomplete to Matthew Butler, and then we're incomplete to Reginald Kelly. Now it's fourth and fifteen from midfield. Arkansas is beginning to feel it, and we as Mississippi State fans are getting that familiar feeling in the pit of our stomachs that you know what we're going to lose this ball game. We're going, we're going to lose this one. Then we're going to lose to Ole Miss, and they're going to bulldoze the campus. I mean, it's just you know. This is one of those games, I think, in many respects, where Jackie Sherrill kind of forced us to kind of keep our chins up a little bit. So, fourth and 15, our freshman quarterback, Wayne Madkin. He finds Kevin Cooper, God rest his soul. KC does a good job, too, getting upfield, reaches across, but makes it easy. 18 yards on the game. Now it's down to the 31. And you're thinking, okay, now we're kind of in Hazelwood's range here. We run a, t- a, pe- a, excuse me, a toss play to Chris Randy off the right side, and Chris, the pride of Amory, Mississippi, removes all doubt in many respects. Runs for 16 yards down to the 15. Now we're feeling it. Now we're just thinking, hey, let's just run this thing down, kick field goal. Randy runs for three to the 12, then to two more. Uh, excuse me, yeah, two more to the to the 10 uh, yard line. So brings up a third and five with 10 seconds to go. We call a timeout and we trot Hazelwood out there, and he makes a field goal. And uh, the replay will kind of make you shake a little bit, kind of pushed you a little bit right there. But you know what? It might as well have been right down the middle because the officials called it good. We win the game, 27 yarder, and then we kick off. And of course, they have a uh, you know kind of a trick play there, and this didn't work out for them. And so we win the ball game. And, um, you know, you begin to run down these numbers, and it's just it's phenomenal when you look at, like, Edward Smith, six tackles, excuse me, 12 tackles and three sacks on the day, five TFLs. Cornell Menifee, eight tackles on the day as well, eight tackles for him, two tackles for loss. Larry Campbell, a big game, too, uh, six and one. Offensive numbers, J.J. Johnson was hurt, still dealing with, I, I believe it was a groin injury, kind of stayed with him the rest of the year. Uh, that happened against Alabama. Just six carries for thirty-four yards. Dicenzo runs for twenty five, Randy for twenty-five, pick Brady even had nine yards. Wayne Macken, sixteen of thirty-one, a couple of interceptions, and then the uh, the one touchdown there. But the the hero really in many respects, it's gotta be it's gotta be Hazelwood, right? That's my air conditioned guy. You gotta give Brian Hazelwood a lot of credit here. Four field goals on the day, five field goals, excuse me, Brian, I'm so sorry. Five field goals. And that proves to be the difference. And, again, it showed, too, we had some offensive ineptitude as well. We just couldn't finish drives. But, uh, thankfully, we had one of the best kickers in the country. School record five field goals for Hazelwood. And it's an incredible, incredible performance. In postgame, Hazelwood said, I told the guys this was our last chance, our last play on this field, let's go out with a bang. And lo and behold, we did. We take control of the SEC West, go on to beat Ole Miss the next week and go to Atlanta. There's a big party going on, but we still have one more game left. We haven't won this thing yet, Hazelwood said. Houston Knights said following the game, this is a tough and difficult loss. We were very close, and it it is just going to be a tough loss to get over. There's a fine line between winning and losing when you get down to this point. Obviously, we could not find the line. Wayne Matkin showed some great poise and escapability late in that ballgame, especially on that fourth and 15 play. Look, he was going to be sacked. He gets loose. Eric Allen, Bulldog Center, says, it was an athletic play by him each time. I figured something was going on. I was just trying to find somebody else to hit. Mackin said I wasn't going to let those guys get me down. I'd made some bad throws. I wanted to make it up to our guys. Pretty exciting stuff. One of the biggest wins in our school's history. We tore down the field goals that day. It was a day that we'll, those that, that were there and those that saw it on TV will never forget. And, of course, we go the next week, and Romero Miller's out at Ole Miss, and uh, we go and beat them. And then we parade around Vault hemingway Stadium with the Golden Egg, partied long into the night, knowing that we were going to Atlanta and that they were going to have to watch us. And then things began to change, too. That's when some Ole Miss benefactors decided, you know what, hey, we've got to do something about this Jackie Sherrill guy. Got to do something about him. Things begin to change. So, again, a huge win. Uh, From mississippi state and uh, i'll never forget it so grateful to those guys those great teams and again i say you know not a big fashion expert but what if we run out of the tunnel of the egg bowl wearing those 98 or 99 uniforms be an awfully big explosion for the bulldog faithful all right if you're looking for books you can find them at dogpilethebook.com a lot of people are asking about that i still do not have a release date and yes it makes me very very angry so we are working through some things. Hopefully, I'll have some information for you guys. I'm still hopeful you get these things before Christmas. And that was the thing in the beginning. They had kind of committed to me that we'd have them before Christmas. I'm still holding on to that. Once I have more information, I'll share it with you. I can promise you the book is done. Everything is done. We're just waiting on the printer. There's nothing that I can do at this point. Uh, we're just kind of waiting. And I keep hearing this talk about a national paper shortage and all kind of things to do with unemployment benefits and pupwood haulers not working and things like that. And so I will relay information as I have it. I did, if you ordered other books with your dogpile, those have been signed and they're on the way. I took a picture of those yesterday. They're supposed to go out, I believe, in the mail today, if not today, tomorrow. And so so if you ordered books in addition to dogpile, you're about to get those. All right, those will be uh, in your mailbox sooner rather than later. And as soon as I have more information on dogpile, I'll let you know. But get caught up, dogpile the book. You can find everything there. Uh, Flim Flam, stark villains Alpha Dogs, and you can get them signed. Everybody says, "Well, I want them personalized." You can. There is a note section for you to include uh, what you want me to write. Now, one of the things I want to tell you too, uh, as far as your personal inscriptions, you're going to have to write those. I'm not going to write those for you, like like people say, "Hey, congratulations uh, on your new uh, marriage, love, Memo Jones." I, well, you can write that. I'll, I'm going to write Hell State, or I'm going to write, you know. A personal message that you send me but not i'm not going to write on your behalf so understand so if you get if you've asked for that and you get it and it's not exactly what you asked for that's why i'm not going to be your ghost writer i'm you can write whatever you want to on the card or whatever it's your book but i'm not going to write that and there are some things some people have asked me to write some profanity at times too and i'm not going to do that either just that's not not to say that i don't use it every once in a while but i'm not going to put it in writing on a book. But um, Moving quite along with that. If you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, you can find that just about everywhere. And we've we've had a bunch of people buy that at Mistletoe. You can can find it online at Amazon, uh, booksandmegan.com, or Barnes & Noble. But your local bookstore can get it for you. If you want personalized copies of Blooms of Oleander, uh, you can order those directly through Bookmart and Cafe in downtown Starkville. All right, that's going to do it for today. Oh, reminds me, Stark Villains gear. I, again, I get these messages at least once a week, and I had people showing up at Mistletoe saying, hey, where do I get the Stark Villains hoodies? Very simple. Starkvillains.com. Very simple. You can go get hoodies in a variety of colors as well as T-shirts. And uh, appreciate you guys uh, supporting the brand. Again, at Starkvillains.com. That's going to do it for today. Look forward to uh, being with you guys. I'm going to start packing a bag and going to Arkansas. And looking forward to hopefully Mississippi State winning another intercollegiate football game. Talk to you guys on Monday, but until then, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus,